This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome back, everybody, to Fantasy Football Today, DFS. And if you're looking at your screen and you're saying, well, I watched this episode before, you're wrong because we're bringing Megan Schaup back to the show. Megan, how are you doing? See, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me back. I had a great time talking DFS with you last summer, and I'm so excited to be back talking best ball with you this summer. That's right. We're going to be talking some best ball. And if you remember in our offseason series last year, folks, we had a lot of best ball discussion. We had a lot of DFS discussion, some, you know, year long stuff peppered in there as well. We're going to be bringing back a lot of the same guests. You've already seen some of them. You saw Derek Brown already, Andrew Erickson. Um, Adam Levitin was on with us last show, which was pretty great. But uh, we're going to have a lot of the same people here, and uh, we're going to be talking some best ball. This won't be our first and only best ball show. It's our first, but it won't be our only. So we'll probably have at least two more of those, and then we're going to start to get into the, the talking about slates and things of that nature. It'll be a little early, but it'll be a lot fun. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Megan, before we get started, there have already been a lot of questions on Twitter about, you know, I think there's a lot of people – because best ball is relatively new. I think right. there's a lot of people that are like, yeah, I want to get into best ball, but like, I kind of don't get it. And I got to be honest with you. I'm sort of one of those people. Like I, okay. I just, I, I haven't played best ball yet. I mean, I, I engaged a little bit last year, but I, you know, not in a sophisticated way. And I, I want to cover that first, but before we do that, I, I kind of want to know where we can find you. I, I see here, if you're watching us on YouTube, by the way, hit the like button. We can find you at Meg's 8 DFS, but can you tell us where else we can find you? Sure. Um, well, obviously, I a lot of my work is on fanspeak.com. That's a family business. I was a co-creator there. And um, a lot of my content is on fanspeak.com. And we'll be all spring and summer, every spring and summer, we're going to cover best ball um, because we kind of have this um, kind of a, we're the home of the armchair GM. We have a lot of kind of simulators for uh, kind of uh, for for an armchair GM, we have ultimate GM simulators for a lot of offseason tools. And so it's kind of a perfect fit to kind of go right into after the NFL draft, start, start talking, still be that armchair GM, but for your best ball teams in spring and summer. So a um, lot of best ball content on fanspeak.com. And then I'm a contributor at Run Pure Sports um, too. So you can find my work over at runpuresports.com as well. And best ball articles, things like rankings. We can probably find some of that on Run Pure and, and certainly a lot of that on Fanspeak as well, right? Yes, you'll find both articles, shows, rankings on both um, Fanspeak and soon to be Run Pure um, Sports as well. Um, so, yeah, both articles, shows, rankings, a little bit of everything on both sites. And, and yeah, that's what's nice because there's so many different angles in best ball that you can cover. And of course, now, on Run Pure, I'll also be um, covering NFL this fall, which is which is very exciting because the more and more I get into the space, I really enjoy it. So, 
I love that. So you engaged in some best ball last year. Uh, right. My understanding, uh, we've talked, is that you did pretty well. And I think for people who may not know you, Megan, without the H, by the way, or may <laughs> not be familiar with best ball, maybe they want to know, well, how did I, I want to know how Megan did last year. So why don't you tell us? Because I think it's a pretty glowing results. Yeah, it's pretty exciting, honestly. I just dabbled in 2020 and 2021, but in the 2022 season, I was really determined to get into it more. And kind of like you, it's kind of you got to wade in, right? And but I kind of really dove into research more and and analysis and understanding it more, and decided that I'd do approximately. I did about 50 teams drafts, and I had about a 27 percent advance rate to playoffs, which is good. That's very good. Um, and in the on most of my drafts were on underdog. I did a, uh, one or two on drafters and a handful on DraftKings. Um, so those are the three sites. We'll get into that later. But I did most of them on underdog fantasy. And underdog's big contest is the BBM three last year, um, the Best Ball Mania, and it has four hundred fifty one thousand entries, and only I believe four hundred seventy make the finals. And with just nine nine entries into the BBM three, I was able to make the BBM three finals, which was quite a thrill. Um, it, it, honestly, and this is why I'm now fully hooked in best ball. It rivals any DFS sweat I've ever had because it's a three wow. week sweat. It's a three week yeah. sweat, you know. That's really cool, and I, and I that's what I kind of want to get into. This is a really good transition. So. Some of you listening or watching, uh, thank you for watching and listening. Uh, you, you might be familiar with Best Ball to some degree, um, but there are some people, and we we got some Twitter shout outs too, that were like, hey, can can you just explain some of the strategy, some of like just the fundamental elements, like if, if, if it's just Joe whoever who's just never done Best Ball and wants to know like, all right, I know that there's certain places that offer sort of Best Ball tournaments, and maybe you can help me with that. It's Underdog, I believe, and, it, and it's DraftKings. Are there other platforms? Yeah, one other main one, Drafters, is another one. That's mm -hmm. a season-long Best Ball format, so it's weeks one through 17, whereas both on Underdog Fantasy and DraftKings, it's a playoff format. So you have a regular season, and then depending on what type of tournament you're in, usually like two will advance into the playoffs. And so that's what's kind of different about that. But that's underdog and, and DraftKings. And those are the other two really big ones that pe you'll hear people talking about a lot. Gotcha. Okay. And so when it comes to sort of the basics of best ball, um, what would somebody sort of need to know? Let's say they're doing DraftKings or underdog. I mean, obviously you have a regular season that's weeks one through 14. And right. then if you advance, and, and I, here's where the terminology gets funny for me, where, like, how does one advance? Is, is, is it, you have to win your, I've heard the terminology pod before. Your pod. Your, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that pod would be what? 10 teams deep? 12, 12 teams deep? 12. Okay. So it's one of 12. So you're drafting with 12 in every single best ball draft and you have to advance out of that pod on both underdog and DraftKings. And again, it depends on the tournament you're in. Most are two out of 12 will, or will advance to the playoffs. So okay. some, some have a little better advance rates, you know, more of the smaller field stuff or higher stake stuff but yeah generally speaking let's say two out of 12 out of the pot advance to the playoffs and then they go to week 15 right where you would have to uh what do you enter another 12 team pot and then advance again if you if you yeah one of those it's two? similar it depends again on the tournament structure but a lot of these big lottos it's like more around a 16 team pod and mm -hmm. usually for these big 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 flagship tournaments 
only one advances. So it gets really, really competitive then. Um, I, yeah, I believe for underdog BBM4 this year, it's you know two out of 12 advance to the playoffs, then quarterfinals, one out of 16, then one out of 16 out of the semifinals to the finals. And then, you know, then you're in the top 400 some to win a chance at $3 million. And that's where, and that's why they always, I don't know if you'll, if you'll hear best ball content, they'll say, well, all the money's in week 17, all the money's in week 17. And that's where it's true. I mean, you can make money along the way. You obviously kind of get your money and profit back if you make the playoffs and then make a little more if you make, mm. get out of the corner finals to the semifinals, make a little more if you make it the finals. But, you know, then obviously placing in the finals is where the money's, the big money's at for sure. Yeah, that's interesting because I don't think a lot of like casual observers know that. I don't think they know they get paid at least a little bit along sure. the way yeah. if they yeah. continue to advance like after the regular season. So when you get to week 17, and I think this is the tricky part, we have uh, Stewie in the chat saying hello. He he was one hello. of the people that, that asked the question uh, earlier just about strategy and whatnot. So, I mean, right. one thing that I think is really fundamental, obviously you want to draft a good team and, and, and you want to correlate to some degree regardless, just like you might in DFS or, or even in redraft leagues. But correct me if I'm wrong, it's really week, is it week 17 that is, maybe the primary focus where maybe some of the other playoff weeks are, are a secondary focus. Am I characterizing that right? If you look on Twitter, that is going to be the general consensus that you're going to hear and see, because again, they'll always say all the week money, all the money is in week 17. And that mm -hmm. is true. But you also have to make it to week 17. And yeah. So that's where I think sometimes people can get too carried away with overemphasizing certain strategies at this point in best ball. Cause again, it's still, like you said, a very, a relatively new format. And so I think sometimes if you were to just jump on Twitter, you'd be like, Oh, I just need to focus on week 17. Well, no, you have to build a really good team to a make the playoffs and then B advanced to week 17, or you could have the most beautiful team for week 17 that won't, be in week 17. You know what I mean? So you have yeah. to be very strategic. And that's what best ball is. I mean, the simplest term is it's best ball. You do all the work this spring and summer in your particular draft. And you have to forward think bye weeks, potential injuries, depth at each position. That's like the basics of best ball is all your work is up front. There is no waiver wire. There is no changing lineups. There is no adjusting to ownership. It is all up front and done in your draft. And that's what's so strategic about it. And, and that's where there's a lot of nuances and to different strategies, because, you know, some people focus more on ADP value. That's average draft position. And am I getting a lot of value here? Some people focus on playoff schedules for teams or week 17 correlation. You'll hear that a lot. But, you know, honestly, I think it's it's kind of a combination of of a little bit of everything, right? Yeah. But, um, you know, not overemphasizing one strategy, but keeping in mind all those strategies and finding that right balance, like kind of pushing and pulling, you know, the the right, um, you know, the right strings at the right times to, to build a balanced team that, again, has a chance to make the playoffs, advance through the playoffs, and then have a chance to succeed in week 17. So the right balance thing, I want to get back to in a second, but just sure. to close the door on the week 17 thing, let's just assume you're one of those people like, like Megan, that, that is, is looking at week 17, but you know, also kind of wants to get to week 15 and, and win those weeks <laughs> as well. Now, if you're that person, are you at least when you're drafting, especially in the later rounds, like really trying to correlate your lineup for week 17, maybe with some of those lesser draft picks down the board, or are you just kind of like, we'll, we'll see where the chips fall. Yeah, that's honestly how I use week 17 is, again, to not overemphasize it, because I, I do feel like some 
people do overemphasize it. And I I wonder how much it's, you know, I think at this point too hard to prove data about how many teams that are overcorrelated for week 17 then don't even have a chance to make playoffs. But I do think that sometimes you can go overboard with it. And so I like to consider it, but I use it more as like a tiebreaker, you know, Mm -hmm. if I'm deciding between players or yes, like, okay, I have a Cleveland Browns stack and they play the Jets week 17. I'll take a late round flyer on Tyler Conklin or Corey Davis, you know, I'll do stuff like that where, like you said, like some, yeah, like late round capital I can use to like still get that correlation, you know, but not like, oh, this is this whole entire lineup is all about week 17. So in a second, everybody, and a lot of people in the chat, thank you for chiming in. Please hit the like button. We're going to talk about, in a second, we're going to talk about um, Megan's sort of undervalued offenses. And we're going to actually talk about some of the players that she's already drafted, some of the teams that she's focused on. But I have to ask one more question because you kind of just touched on it with your answer when you said, well, first of all, you talked about sort of balancing your strategy. And then you also talked about, we don't have enough data yet because there hasn't been that many years of best ball. And I think the biggest selling point for, for people that are in this space, other than the fact that it's kind of cool, you can kind of draft your team, set it and forget it. You don't have to deal with yeah. waiver wire and, and all that stuff. You know, your, your best players who score the most points in each week, they're going to be your starters. Like it's kind of a cool concept, but- $3 million, but, that doesn't yeah. hurt either. Oh yeah, the $3 million, <laughs> that, that's always fun. Um, but the thing is, there's an edge here, right? Because you, because of the lack of data, because of the lack of years that, that, that this has really existed. Can you just speak to that almost in a in a- as a selling point for best ball, for those that are like, yeah, I'm not sure if I want to be in or out on this thing. Yeah, I strongly feel that. See, I mean, I I know you just did that um, TV series with Pat Mayo and you, I'm sure, covered The Office. You know the, the clip, the line from The Office, Andy Bernard says, I wish you knew you were in the glory days when you're actually in the glory days or yes. something like that. That applies to so much in life. Like I, I feel that way definitely personally and professionally in a lot of ways looking in hindsight. And I feel that way about DFS. Like when you look back at like 2014, 15, 16, compared to like right now, the edges we had then, right, are just different. I'm not saying you can't win at DFS. I'm just saying that now it's a lot harder because there's a lot of good content, a lot of good optimizers and things of that nature out there and a lot of good data because we have like 10 years of data for DFS. You know, we only are working with three years of data for best ball right now. And so, and, and also when you look at the data, you see that kind of different things happen each year because it's all based on the nuances of what happened in that particular season with best ball. So, so much as opposed to DFS where everything's week to week, it's more season by season and, you know, who really rose and, and those kind of things. So, um, I think because it's limited data, you know, only three years, because the data shows a little something different each year to a certain extent. Um, I think that that allows us to kind of give a permission to make some stands. Um, you know, you can zig when others zag a little bit, um, you know, still making smart lineups but and, and having smart drafts. But, yeah, I think it can allow you to make bigger stands. And I think we might have a, a bigger edge now than we will say in three, five, 10 years in the best ball landscape. It reminds me of poker, right? From like mm-hmm. 25 years ago when, or I should say 20 years ago when Moneymaker won the World Series of Poker and everybody started getting into it. And it was like the easiest moves could like, you could like just dominate a game for an entire evening. And then like there became like the advanced players and the advanced moves and the pre-flop three bets and things of that nature that are like quite intimidating. And so poker changed. And, and I think that's a pretty good analogy here because we are sort of, you know, you and and this sort of best ball industry, they're kind of mm-hmm. at the forefront of something that 
people haven't completely figured out yet. And I, that's yet. a really I don't, cool time to get. Exactly. I don't believe it's completely figured out yet. I don't believe we have enough data. You know, again, five, 10 years from now, when we have a lot more data, I think, you know, then you can really say, okay, we really have seen these trends work over the last seven years or something like that. But we really can't say that. And so it's not, I use data a lot. Listen, I, I use a lot of historical data. Um, Hayden Winks and Josh Norris from Underdog Network put out a lot of good data and a lot of other analysts out there in, on Twitter put out a lot of good, very useful data. And I look at all of it. I'm just saying that you can kind of, you know, use it to find your edges uh, kind of, and not just kind of blatantly, blindly say, well, this is what everybody else is doing. I'm going to do it too. Does that make sense? Yeah. And honestly, I think just as a fundamental concept, when it comes to like all things DFS or fantasy related, even betting, uh, you know, looking back and just leaning on that, as opposed to anticipating something that's coming next, I think that's kind of where you want to be from a strategy standpoint. Uh, speaking okay. of strategy, uh, Justin, we're going to get, get to all your questions uh, throughout the show. But Justin asked, uh, he, he asked if you meant week 18 when it came to the final. But of course, you meant week 17 because there is no week 18 best ball, right? Right. Because week 18 in the NFL can get so crazy with, you know, teams sitting because they've already clinched and that kind of thing. Uh, best ball has been very smart to make their finals week 17. So that's not impacted by, you know, the week 18. Oh, uh, well, we, we've already got the NFC East wrapped up. We're sitting everybody kind of deal, you know? Yeah. You might not want Caleb Huntley deciding the $3 million winner. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. And we'll get, we'll get to the rest of the questions in a second, but before we do that, uh, let's take a break and hear a word from our partners. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast did you know that while over 60 percent of americans dream of starting their own business less than 20 percent of them take the first step the reason building a business is tough taylor brands is simplifying the business journey from launching and managing to grow in your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link. 
taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. We are back. And I want to get to some of these questions, and I want to let everybody know we're about to get to Megan's. She's written some articles already. Uh, at, they're at fanspeak.com. Maybe some other places too, Megan, you can let us know. But um, some undervalued offenses and maybe some players from those offenses that in, by undervalued, what we mean, of course, is in ADP, average draft position, they're just mm-hmm. not really getting appreciated by the market, and, and there's some value sort of built in there. And that's a concept I think everybody understands from just general fantasy football. Right. Um, a couple of questions, though, Megan, before we go. I, I know Stewie had a question about quarterbacks. It's kind of a broad question sure. in the sense that it, it said, interested in the QB position, how many do you draft to be competitive? Is there a way to like really kind of like hone in on that answer, or does it depend? No, that's a great question. Um, you know, on different sites, you could kind of lean into different things, but on underdog, you draft a total of 18 players. So 18 rounds on DraftKings, you draft a total of 20. So, um, you know, they usually say two to four for the quarterback position on DraftKings with 20 roster spots. I usually draft three. Now, a lot of times they'll say, when I say they, a lot the data will suggest that If you draft a hero quarterback, and that means obviously one of the quarterbacks that you would assume is going to fill in that because a best ball means it's going to fill in that roster spot. Each week you're starting Mm -hmm. a quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, a tight end and a flex. So, you know, you're filling in that quarterback slot and you assume Patrick Mahomes is going to be your quarterback most weeks. So they say, you know, the data was suggested, well, if you're going to draft a hero quarterback, maybe in those situations, you just draft two. And generally I do. So generally draft two quarterbacks if you're drafting a hero quarterback three if you're drafting maybe a little further down the line as far as quarterback rankings but I will say and this is one strategy that I'm kind of considering this year my best ball mania three team only made the finals because I had three quarterbacks and that's because Dak Prescott got injured and you know basically didn't give me any score for the first six weeks had I not had a third quarterback and the third quarterback interesting enough was Carson Wentz who later got benched um I wouldn't have even made the the final I wouldn't have even made the playoffs let alone the finals because as you remember as a Washington fan Carson Wentz actually had some pretty nice spike weeks at the beginning of the season and I needed those spike weeks from him while Dak Prescott was out because Kirk Cousins my third court my second quarterback my other quarterback did not provide those those same weeks so you I actually needed all three quarterbacks even though Carson Wentz only provided two or three weeks for me kind of interesting but I literally wouldn't have even made the playoffs let alone the finals and so not only do I think it can help you on some outs there with like even injuries because some people you hear them say well if Mahomes is out my team's dead my team's done well not if he's out for only four weeks you know and so um, that also allows you to also have three. You usually want to correlate your quarterbacks with like at least one receiver or teammate. And so it allows you to get a third team stack in, in the playoffs. So if I have three team stacks as opposed to two team stacks to work my way through the playoffs, say one week, you know, Pacheco gets all the touchdowns for Kansas City. And my other quarterback gets banged up during the game. And my third quarterback saves me and has a great game. You know, it just gives you more outs to, you know, advance through the playoffs. Because when you're competing with, you have to be one of 16 to move on. That's very competitive. And there's no room for error. So um, some people like to like really load up and on uh, have depth at a position like receiver. But I actually don't mind having a third quarterback, um, 
even with some some hero build, uh, QB builds, not all the time. I know that was a very broad answer, long answer, but hopefully that covered it. No, I mean, there's a lot of nuance there. There and is, so, yeah. I like the answer. A really interesting question. I want to I want to address this really quick, and then we'll get into some undervalued offenses um, that sure. Megan has already written about. Um, Jay, oh, by the way, Don F said this is going to make me do a draft in an hour. Well, me too. By the way, I love so, it. Very cool. I love like, it. For the record, uh, you know, Don and and whoever whoever else is is in here watching. You know, anytime I like, I, I do I do content across the board, really all sports at this point. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's been busy, but great. But but the point I'm making is not a lot of it has been football related over the last few months for obvious reasons. I can tell you that the few times I've been able to talk football over the last, let's say, two weeks, I am telling you, it's it's like an actual like adrenaline rush. It, it, it's yeah. just one of those things where therapeutic too. Yeah. It, yeah, it's just crazy. So I, I am just like when when Don says he's going to go do a draft, like I'm thinking like I think I'm going to probably do a draft too. But J Rob, uh, JC and Team Energy is his name. Uh, maybe his company too. Shout out to J GC and Team Energy. Uh, he says I've done a lot of best ball drafts recently and have seen many people taking multiple big name quarterbacks in the early rounds. Are they trying to sabotage the draft room or is this a legit strategy? Before I I, I, I throw this to you. I don't know if he's saying like the same teams are drafting multiple big name quarterbacks or, if you know, everybody's just kind of going in on on Mahomes and Hurts and, and Josh Allen early. That part of it makes sense to me at this point. Does it make sense to you if, if quarterbacks are going way earlier than people expect? Yeah, quarterbacks are going earlier this year. Actually, at the very beginning, like right after the draft, they were going extremely early, much earlier than they've ever gone in best ball, like in late first round, early second round. Now their ADP has kind of settled. It's literally, you know, best ball is like the stock market. It rises, it falls and adjusts to the market and, and the market's adjusting and kind of saying, well, that's a, that's a big cost to, you know, take a quarterback late first round, early second. So a lot of the, even the top three have fallen to the third round right now, but usually, but early third round, but to, to speak to that, that's that is still earlier than what they were going last year. So people know that the quarterback position is key, especially on underdog in the scoring system. That you know that that can be a big separator. And so, yeah, there are a lot of quarterbacks like obviously Hurts, Allen, Mahomes that are going in the third round. To speak to his other point, I've seen that a handful of times, and it, it, I don't know what that is. I do. I have seen a couple times where people load a bunch of quarterbacks and. I don't know if they cued it and it's an accident. I don't know if they're trying to like throw it off for like a friend or something like that. I really, there have been some you know theories that I've seen about that. It happens very rarely, luckily, where someone's basically trying to mess up, mess with the draft. Yeah. Um, luckily, I rarely have seen it, but I have seen it a couple of times. If that's what he's talking about, you can also do like a bully quarter. They call it bully quarterback to take like two big ones and just know that those are your two guys. Um, but you use a lot of draft capital. I would not recommend drafting, like, for instance, both like Allen and Herbert, and because you're using two of your first five picks on a quarterback. And then mm -hmm. that's just then hurting, you know, your draft capital that you're using at running back receiver that are also very important to potentially get high picks too. The idea is to be right about the first quarterback you draft and not have to compensate with. Uh, yes. With and then more. Capital. Yeah. More. I think if you draft a quarterback, especially high, then you'll come back in like more like the ninth, 10th round, 12th round, you know, something along those lines, I'd say. All right. Well, let's talk about some undervalued offenses and players. So the first one that you wrote in your article, we got like like four or five teams to talk about. And then we're going to talk about some of your just generally some of your favorite teams, some of your favorite offenses that you're focused yeah. on in your best ball drafts, which I think is going to be super helpful 
well, all of this is going to be helpful, but just to know where Megan's kind of keying in on, I think that's really important. But let's talk about undervalued from an ADP standpoint. The first team was the Dallas Cowboys. And what's interesting about them is I think there's a couple names that sort of pop. You know, CeeDee Lamb is, is obviously going to be drafted pretty high. Uh, Tony Pollard coming off an injury, but he's, he's certainly the RB1. He's going to be drafted pretty high. Right. But the other the other guys are, are like, are they just not getting drafted? Are they get, getting drafted super late that it's just becoming great value? Yeah, I just, you know, Dallas was a top 10 offense in almost every statistical category points, um, yards, red zone conversion rate, you know, all those things that you're looking for in best ball, because obviously touchdowns equal points, yards equal points uh, in best ball. And they were, you know, that's what you were looking for. And and um, we'll get to that deeper when we talk about teams later. But I, I just like to stack good offenses. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't understand why a top 10 offense is being undervalued. And, you know, as a Washington fan, yeah, this is hard for me to say, but they are a top 10 offense. They are. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think people are maybe maybe concerned about Mike McCarthy calling play calls, being the play caller and losing. Um and, and losing the, the play caller to the Chargers. Kellen but Moore. Yeah, yeah, Kellen Moore to the Chargers. Thank you. Um, yeah, they were very successful with Kellen Moore. But from everything I've heard, they're going to kind of stay the course with that. You know, I don't think Mike McCarthy is going to have some archaic offense mm-hmm. when he knows what works for them. And, you know, if you look back at like his last few years of calling plays in Green Bay, you know, Aaron Rodgers was banged up. He had just some... Um, kind of some injury concerns there with those late Packers teams and, and losing weapons as, and things of that nature that, you know, maybe is why his offenses weren't as high powered at the end of his tenure or why, it, you know, when he left, but I don't have a concern about the Mike McCarthy, you know, play calling. And if that, if that's what's kind of keeping other people off of them or dropping their ADP value for most of them, as you said, obviously, Pollard, CD Lamb goes in the first round. Pollard usually goes in the second round. Everybody else, you're getting, you know, I think anywhere from pick um, 70 or 80 with um, Brandon Cooks down to in the 120s with Gallup. And then the tight ends, obviously, very late. So, you know, I just think you're getting extreme value. And then, of course, Dak Prescott is at around pick 98 to 100, something along those lines. I mean, Anthony Richardson's going above Dak Prescott. And we wrote a whole article. That's a whole nother mm. topic to get into rookie quarterbacks. But to me, I'm sorry, Dak is usually a perennial top 10 quarterback and has the potential to be a top five quarterback. And for you to get him as like quarterback 12, that 13, that seems kind of silly to me. So I'm going to have a lot of Dak Prescott. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things you almost want to take advantage of a potentially bad narrative, which which is what yeah. you were suggesting with respect to Mike McCarthy and Kellen right. Moore. Like, listen, Kellen Moore is a young OC and the Dallas Cowboys offense. We don't know that they wouldn't have been a well-oiled machine without Kellen Moore. Like, we don't we don't know. We're not I'm not trying to, to to say anything bad about Kellen Moore, but we don't know that he was a net positive for that offense. I mean, we can make assumptions, but we don't we certainly don't know that. And I think maybe that's probably what's driving this down at least a little bit. And there's certainly yes. going to be some value on guys like Dak and um, yeah, Cooks and Gallup. I mean, the, even Jalen Tolbert, they've got a host of receivers that that could be successful, well, kind of young receivers. It's well improved. You know, Gallup's another year removed from the injury. Mm-hmm. Now they have Brandon Cooks. You know, that's quite a three-headed monster receiving core, right? And then I know they lost Dalton Schultz, but – they drafted a guy, Luke Schoonmaker, uh, if I'm pronouncing that right, in the second round. 
I don't think, you know, and then a lot of people will say, oh, well, they drafted him. He'll be a primary blocker. I don't think they spent a second round pick just for a blocker. You know, I, I think he'll be out there enough. They do have a kind of a lot of tight ends. And so maybe it'll be more tight end by committee. But mm-hmm. you can get any of them basically in the last round, basically for free. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah Dallas, Dak Prescott stacks um, outside of CD Lamb are incredibly cheap. So whether you want to include Pollard or Lamb um, or not, you know, I just think you're getting a lot of value on a top 10 offense. And that, I think, is absolutely key. And one thing I will say really quick about about stacking, that's another thing to keep in mind. If you are new to the best ball space, you'll hear stacking, stacking, correlation, correlation. That's you want to, you know, it makes sense if you're going to draft Dak Prescott. He's probably going to bring a couple players along with him for the season to have spike weeks. And, you know, I usually stack anywhere from one to three players. So no more than four players from a team. Um, so two to four players from a team, including the quarterback. And it could, but it doesn't have to be like two or three receivers. Like I actually like getting access to the running back. I actually like getting access to the tight end because in a lot of cases, sometimes you can get those later. I actually had a four man Dallas stack on my BBM three team last year, and it was Dak Elliott actually Michael Gallup and Dalton Schultz. So, you know, when, when you can spread the ADP out and still stack a top offense, that can be very powerful in best ball. Megan, we are commanders fans. You're not allowed to stack Dallas. I know. I'm talking about stacking four Dallas multiple years in a row. What is going on? I know. Maybe one DFS week. Maybe that's an indiscretion I can look past, but for an entire season in best ball, that is, it's rude. If I'm being honest, listen, Sia, you know, Washington is first in my heart, but $3 million is also very, it's up there, you know, (laughs) I get that. Um, (laughs) Speaking of $3 million, um, we want to talk about the Steelers, but before we do that, we want to hear a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Now, the Pittsburgh Steelers are interesting, and I, I love that they're sort of in this undervalued spot right. because, frankly, this is this is where they belong because mm-hmm. they're not a sexy team, and, and it's just one of those things where people might look past the fact that, Megan, something you featured in your article was this is a very much an upgraded offensive line. And, and so you got the young quarterback. You got some young receivers. Uh, it's They got it looks – uh, like an easy schedule. Yeah. Um, this is a team maybe like from a value standpoint to focus on, right? 
Absolutely. I, you know, I think for the Steelers, the big thing is a second year for, you know, obviously Kenny Pickett and George Pickens. They were both drafted together and were rookies together last year. So, you you know, second year is always, you know, could be a potential breakout year. It doesn't mean it always is for by any means, but, you know, I am interested to see a second year in this offense, but I think more importantly, massive upgrades along the offensive line. Um, I don't have the pronunciation, but they got the guard from the Eagles um, mm. and that's a massive upgrade. And then they drafted Broderick Jones, the, the Georgia tackle in the first round. So that's two new starters. And I believe in both the draft and free agency, uh, multiple other depth, you know, in, on the offensive line too. That's huge. We, we know, you know, winning in the trenches is key. And, and I think that's going to be good for Najee Harris. I think that's going to be good for Kenny Pickett's development and, you know, Deontay Johnson is one that I was kind of low on coming into the best ball season, but have read a lot of articles that, you know, just kind of his targets per route run and, you know, just the, you know, kind of nature and where he runs his targets. He actually is due for some touchdown regression. So on a site like Underdog, where usually I'd say, oh, well, Don, Deontay Johnson might be someone I target more on DraftKings or drafters because it's full point PPR, you know, that that kind of guy who's getting a lot of targets. But, you know, if he's due for some touchdown regression, you know, I might be interested on a site like Underdog, which, again, the scoring is more Vandal scoring, if you want to look at it that way, half point PPR, we're touchdown hunting. And I have interest in Deontay Johnson and Pickens and, you know, their tight end Pat Fryermuth also is due yeah. for some um, touchdown regression. And all you're getting with incredible value, the only one that's going high and he's not, it's the third or fourth round is Najee Harris. Um, other than that, you know, you're getting Kenny Pickett stacks very, very cheap. Or if you, even if you just want to stack the team and get Najee Harris and Fryermuth or Najee Harris and George Pickens, you know, that, that's, you know, you're getting relatively good value to get access to an offense that I think is going to score more points this year. Yeah. I like that. Absolutely love that. Uh, let's go to the next team. Uh, this is a really interesting team with a brand new quarterback that I think people have just opinions all across the spectrum mm -hmm. on this guy. And it makes sense. Like, I, I don't really want to defend one opinion or the other. I've always thought that Derek Carr, and we're talking about the Saints, of course, I've sure. always thought that Derek Carr is better uh, than perceived by the general public. And right. I, I include sort of the football community uh, when it comes to the public in that as well. It certainly seems like an upgrade at the quarterback position. It looks like they have an easy schedule. I mean, they're in a much easier division. Yeah. And, you know, according to your article and in, in the, the average draft positions, Olave is going early, but pretty much nobody else is, right? Right. No, literally nobody else is. Olave is going very early, as he should. I mean, he should be a second-year stud breakout um, candidate. I mean, he already is a stud. And so um, Olave deserves his draft position as high as it is. Derek Carr wouldn't be drafting him as my first quarterback, but if you want a second or third stack and you have, you know, like a Derek Carr, Michael Thomas or Derek Carr, Rashid Shahid or Derek Carr and um, Juwan Johnson, their tight end, you're getting that again, very, very cheap to, to have as a second or third stack in your best ball lineup. Um, Cause again, you're not just rolling with one quarterback and one stack, you need two or three. And so I'd be targeting that more for a second or third um, stack in, in regards to Derek Carr. But yeah, that's another one where it's just like, like you said, the market just kind of has this feeling about him and it's, you know, whatever you want to say, he's a, he's a huge upgrade for the saints. And, um, and they have, I, I believe the second easiest schedule strength of schedule this year. So again, that division is awful and their strength, you know, their schedule is just, yeah, it's, it's one of the easiest in the NFL this year. 
So I'm looking at, you know, one thing I want people that are new to this to understand when it comes to correlating, we touched on this, but I want to ask you kind of a follow-up question when it comes to like at least taking a look at week 17 as you're drafting. So you can have some correlation if mm-hmm. you're lucky enough to advance to that, to that spot. And I have, um, I have the Saints at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week 17. See there, Stewie, I found a way to incorporate the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's probably the only time you are going to hear them here. But the point is, when you're talking about week 17, I mean, think I think one thing that's kind of obvious, but that might get missed by sort of the, the newer drafter is you kind of want to place in week 17 to the extent you're looking at that, where the, the conditions are somewhat ideal. Now that, that game environment might not be ideal, but are you looking at like dome stadiums in the, cause it's, it's the winter time. Are you looking at right. kind of like South, like Florida area places where you're, you're going to have good conditions to the extent you're correlating that, that week 17 stuff? Yeah, I think a lot of times, you know, when people talk about week 17, when they kind of start their stacks, what a lot of people will do is if they start a a quarterback stack or a team stack, they try to kind of bring it back, like just like we do in DFS week 17. So, you know, I'll give that any any consideration, like I said, to that as I'm drafting, especially as I'm drafting later, as as I'm drafting in tiebreakers and, and stuff like that. Um, but as far as like other kind of intentional week 17 stacks, yeah, there's a few that jump out to me. Um, you know, obviously the Chiefs Bengal, um, mm-hmm. I believe it's the Chiefs Bengals is, yeah. you know, a top one. And then, yeah, there's some indoor ones or some better weather ones. I do think those are more attractive because I saw how some bad weather last best ball playoffs definitely affected some best ball scores. I believe, um, I think it was week 16, you know, Buffalo was at Chicago and it was just below temperatures, you know, I think it was Devin Singletary's got all the points for Buffalo. And I think Josh Allen might have run one in, but he didn't have a nuclear Josh Allen game because they're playing in sub-zero temperatures. So yeah, I do, I do consider that. And you know, one that really sticks out to me is Dallas yet again. I, I'm not sure if it's in Detroit or Dallas, but it's Dallas, Detroit. So yeah. we know it's indoors. That's right. <laughs> and it's two high-powered offenses. And to me, that sticks out like a sore thumb to me because they're two offenses I want to target anyways. So, you know, it's yeah. not like, oh, I'm just reaching for it for week 17. No, it's two offenses that I just want to get access to because they're two offenses that I think are going to be in the top 10 this year. Yeah. And that game's at Dallas, by the way. And the reality is, oh, mm-hmm. thank you, J-Rob. He says, hit that like button, guys. They're giving us tons of value. Love I love it. Comment. Love that comment. Megan's giving us tons of value. I'm just asking. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. I love it. But yeah, that 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 Dallas game, it's at Dallas, Detroit. And, and I'll tell you, there's other games too that I think a lot of people aren't going to be paying attention to. And if you really kind of want to be clever, listen, you can build multiple stacks in your 18 or 20 round team. Right. There, there's going to be like, you can maybe grab a little bit of that Detroit, uh, mm-hmm. Dallas stuff if, if it works out for you. But there's other games that'll be kind of off the radar that listen, it's weeks, it's week 17. Like we don't right. know exactly what's going to be going on. So, I mean, I think there's there's a lot to be said for some of those games that don't look great. That'll probably have like a 42 point total as opposed to maybe Dallas, Detroit, which will be, I don't know, like 50 and a half, 51 and right. a half, something like that. But those games can explode too. And, and if those games explode, well, you, you just won your, your money right there. Most likely. I mean, I shouldn't say most likely, but you had a great chance um, to move on or, or win there. Speaking I mean, of moving, go ahead, Megan. You know, speaking of Tampa last year, it was, and I would have never have lined this up you know, in my head last year, but last year, the guy who won BBM three had a stack with Tom Brady. Actually, Mike Evans was the one that went off for three touchdowns, but um, Chris Godwin and DJ Moore, I would have never thought Panthers Buccaneers, that's the one I'm determined to stack up, you know what I mean? So there are the ones that just, you know, may fly under the radar and, 
Um, you know, that's why you just want to kind of be willing to get access to it, but just don't ever do it in a way that it compromises your overall lineup and chances to make the playoffs. That's how I would say it. I mean, if you're an Anthony Richardson truther, uh, whether you think he's going to start week one or not, I mean, they, they play the Raiders at home week 17. So maybe that's a stack you might want to look at um, if you have, especially if you have Anthony Richardson on, on your squad, uh, maybe some Raiders brings bring backs, things of that nature. The Rams, speaking of bringing things back, Stafford looks to be coming back, Cooper right. Cup coming off an injury. Um, is there value in those guys or is there value in other guys when it comes to the Rams? Yeah. So obviously Cooper Cup is, you know, being drafted in the top five again, as he should be. Um, And that makes a ton of sense. But, you know, if Stafford is at full health and is, you know, back to more like the 2021 Stafford, then he's going in round 14 or, you know, somewhere in and around there. He's he's going very, very late. So you can do like a Cup Stafford as like a second stack, let's say. And then you can get guys, you know, like Higby or, you know, uh, Cam Akers is going, you know, later for running for a starting caliber running back. So, you know, you can get some of their other pieces outside of Cup for much later, especially the quarterback Stafford, if he does regain, you know, full health and kind of does get back to form. Uh, quick question from Don F. He says, this is a good question that I think can apply to other things too. Again, if there, if somebody's new to best ball, this is an important question. He says, is it worth taking Huntley? Of course, that's Tyler Huntley as opposed to Caleb Huntley, who I just ridiculed earlier, kind of by accident. <laughs> um, he says, is it worth taking Huntley in the last round if you draft Lamar? And so I just want to have a corollary question for that new person. Well, what if you want to just like like get a running back sort of committee? Like you want, you want Zach Charbonnet and you want Ken Walker. Is that something you engage in or no? You just take the guy that you think is going to do well in that backfield and you, you move somewhere else or the quarterback? For the quarterback, no, I don't handcuff the quarterback. Um, you know, I'm only drafting guys that I believe are starting. And mm-hmm. yes, it doesn't always work out that way. Either guys get injured or guys get benched. Um, but I'm only drafting guys that I believe are going to be starters. And hopefully, obviously hope when I'm drafting them that they stay starters. Um, but no, I never I never handcuffed the quarterback to, to answer his specific question about mm-hmm. Huntley. Um, now I will say there is a different format called Superflex, and that's where you have to play two quarterbacks, or not have to, you can have a second quarterback in the flex. That might be one where you might want to get weird. And um, I'm, I'm trying to think if that had 20 rounds too. I believe one time I did a super flex where I drafted Tua and Mike White. And I was like, well, I have all the Dolphins. And then I was still able to get two other stacks with it. That's the only time. That's very, you know, kind of obscure and nuanced. But um, no, for general best ball, I do not draft a, a handcuff for the quarterback. I do consider it for the running backs though. And especially in situations like Washington where you have guys that can get points no matter what, it's not just going to be, oh, he's injured, okay, then the other guy can fill in. It's not like drafting Antonio Gibson after I drafted Brian Robinson means I'm going to take a zero from Gibson. There's actually weeks where they could both score for me. Now, you only have to fill two running back spots and then a potential third spot in the flex. You know, running back can fill in the flex as well. But, you know... I, they're both viable players each and every week. And so I think that's one spot. And there's a couple others um, that I don't mind like taking the handcuff, so so to speak, but I wouldn't do it for like, oh, I'm just having the backup if he gets injured. Like I'm not doing it with like, say, Derek Henry and Tajay Spears. Does that make right. sense? So It yeah. does. All right. Good answer there. Okay. There's one more team to talk about before. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do sort of a, a lightning round at the end with uh, some of the teams that you've just – 
you just kind of want to invest in with best ball in terms of you think they're going to be like a top 10 offense, if not better. But there's one other team to cover from a value standpoint, teams that you think are undervalued. And I got to tell you, there seems to be a little bit of bias and subjectivity here. Behind Megan, if you're watching us on <laughs> YouTube, you can see a Washington color shirt, Commanders, whatever it is back there. Maybe some updated shirts, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's Washington oriented. And I got to tell you, right behind me, Mm-hmm. If you zoom in, you see Santana Moss, but it's really not a Santana Moss picture because he's flashing up mm-hmm. the 21 for the now departed Sean Taylor, the guy that I think would have been the best safety in NFL history. I Absolutely. actually truly believe that. I 100% course, believe that too. Yep. Of course, we'll never know. But if you've watched Sean Taylor, um, I think you'd have an idea of, of what Megan and I are getting at there. But with all of that said, Shout out to Sean Taylor and all his fans who will be at all the Washington games because that's the jersey that's worn more than anybody. Yeah, and this man shame, passed yeah. away in 2007. This is almost 20 years ago, and he is the jersey you will see more than anyone at any single Washington game. With all that said, Eric Bieniemy, new OC. McCorn's yeah. the guy that's going to go early, but pretty much nobody else is. Some value on some of these guys, right? Yeah, obviously, CEO, you and I get to bond over being long-suffering Washington fans with hopefully a little bit of hope now. But um, yeah, it, the Eric Bieniemy is a big is a big X factor, right? I mean, obviously, I think this could be a game changer for our offense. You know, whether you know it was Ron and Scott Turner didn't work well together. It just was, you know, it was very run heavy, and I just hope that you know the Bieniemy offense is going to be a lot more creative. And I think even if, and I believe it's going to be Sam Howell. I'll just go on record saying that. Yeah. Um, it is if Sam Howe is even just decent, good, serviceable, I think that's going to allow an Eric Bieniemy offense to service, you know, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, and the running backs to that extent, just putting them in position to score much better than we've ever seen. And you're getting Washington stacks, I'm not going to say for free, but very, very, very discounted. You know, you Terry McLaurin goes in the fourth or fifth round, but, you know, Jahan Dotson goes at around pick, 80 something. Um, both the running backs go in the early one hundreds, you know, and then if you wanted to get Curtis Samuel or the tight ends and go further, you could do that too, because you know, they, they, there's going to be usage there as well. So, you know, you can get a Sam and let's talk about Sam Howe, by the way, just, you know, the, the reports yesterday, Oh, it's still a competition. It's still a competition. He went from going up to the, I believe the 16th round. Now he's back down to, I think going in the 18th round, you know, so it's just people overreact to news and, I, I definitely wouldn't want to mention that too about, you know, kind of watch on overreacting to news. Um, I'll leave you with, the, or, or think about Josh Jacobs last year. People got so upset because Josh Jacobs played in the Hall of Fame game. Oh my goodness, Samir White's going to replace Josh Jacobs yeah. and Josh Jacobs falls all the way to the eighth round. So sometimes that kind of stuff, it's like, don't overreact to these, these preseason or um, off season, you know, camp reports, you know, or, be, be very, um, you know, cognizant of what you react to, because if you overreact to the wrong news, it could be very detrimental and you can get a lot of value by not reacting, by simply not reacting to the news. So I'm still scooping up Sam Howe. I think he's going to be a quarterback that you can grab basically in the last round, pair him with Terry and or Dotson. The running backs offer a lot of value. And I just think, you know, you're getting a lot of ADP value for an offense that could be much improved this year. Yeah, I think when it comes to that news, especially in stuff like best ball, where it's kind of like an all or nothing thing, you're either right or you're wrong, and there's not going to be an adjustment like you might have in in redraft leagues or even dynasty keeper leagues, I would actually lean into that news. The Mm -hmm. moment that I hear 
Oh, Zamir White might might be the guy. Did you see Josh Jacobs actually played in the Hall of Fame game? They must they must not like him. It's his last year. Maybe they don't like whatever whatever the, the narrative is. I'd actually lean into it and I'd run to best ball drafts and just mm-hmm. scoop up a bunch of Josh Jacobs. And you that know that was you, the winning key last year. Yeah, that's the thing. You you might be wrong at the end of the day, but but what I can guarantee you is that you'll be different. And if mm-hmm. you want to win in these things, and whether it's best ball or DFS, listen, I'm doing golf DFS. I cover that a ton, and I'm, I got to put in Absolutely. some lineups for the RBC Canadian Open tomorrow. Yeah. You know, when you hear a narrative about somebody and you see their ownership start spiking, well, that's probably the time to fly away. And in and, and, and this case, when you hear that news, and we're going to start hearing, it's going to start percolating mm-hmm. over the next month, and then we're gonna, it's going to be loud and clear once these preseason games start. That That's the time, especially in my opinion, in best ball, to kind of lean into it and be like, all right, if that's what everybody thinks – at least in some of my teams, I'm going to, I'm going to grab that guy that everybody thinks is washed. Yeah. It's kind of like that saying, you know, when others get scared, get greedy. And when they get greedy, get scared. I think it's that kind of thing mentality with best ball. Cause again, it is very like stock market, you know, mindset. And yeah, mm-hmm. if it's like, okay, everybody's getting scared by this. I'm, don't get scared, get greedy, scoop up more shares of Sam Howell right now. That's what I'm doing. And, um, you know, I think that's something just to keep in mind as you, as like you said, you're going to hear more and more of this, especially as we get into full blown training camps and preseason in late summer. So we have a few minutes left here and I want to talk about, so you wrote up in a, in a separate article that everybody can find on fanspeak.com. Again, uh, Megan's work is at fanspeak.com and it's going to be at runpuresports.com as well. So definitely check that out. Follow her at Meg08DFS. And if you're curious, her name is Megan, but she doesn't spell it with an H. So don't spell it with an H. (laughs) You're one of the few. Like, I feel like you're unique in that way. Like most people, Megan, there's an H there, right? Am I wrong? There's a lot of, there's, I've seen all sorts of spellings. I've seen it with an E-A-G-A. I've seen all sorts of things. So yeah. (laughs) Well, so one of the other articles, the the most recent one you published, which I think was like today or yesterday, um, was about just top 10 offenses or offenses that you think are going to kind of fall in the top 10. Some are kind of sneaky and some are obvious, right? Like, you know, I, I think some like the Chiefs and the Bills, the Bengals, Lions, even the Jags, the Eagles 49ers, like the, those those are probably like great offenses to invest in in best ball. I think everybody kind of, of knows that. Go ahead and invest in those guys, you, you right. know, do, do your thing. Right. But I think there's, and I think I would include the Chargers there too. But there's, a, there's at least four teams that you featured that I think maybe people – at least with a couple of these teams are overlooking. So let's just really quickly touch on these four teams. They're the Broncos, the Jets, the Browns, and the Falcons. Um, the Chargers think- was when I did that because they were kind of on the right on the outside looking in on the top 10 this year. And when you think about it, they lost Rashawn Slater. They had injuries at the wide mm-hmm. receiver position. Herbert got banged up and was playing injured. There were so many, just everything kind of went wrong for them, yeah. you know? And I actually do think Kellen Moore could be a net positive for them. I can believe both mm-hmm. things. I can believe that Kellen Moore can be a net positive, And I also believe that Mike M- McCarthy can be fine as the play caller in Dallas. I think Herbert and, and Dak are going to be two of my most owned quarterbacks in best ball. But no, um, I would add charges to that because they were kind of on the outside looking and I, I think they could be a top five offense this year. For sure, especially investing in the first round in a, uh, a receiver. Um, they've got a nice receiver core if they can all stay healthy this year. Yes. Let's talk about yes. the Broncos real quick. I mean, yeah. you know, speaking of receiver cores, that there's some questions. I mean, you you, you talk to people a year ago and mm-hmm. people are super excited about Cortland Sutton. People are super excited about Jerry Judy, super excited about Russell Wilson, Javante Williams, who was coming off a, a pretty bad knee injury, but looks to be tracking, you know, pretty well. They have Samaj P. Ryan. Are those the types of guys that you are interested in when it comes to the Broncos? And, and it sounds like you think they can flash. 
Yeah. And I think, I just, I think Russell Wilson could have a bounce back year under Sean Payton, you know, in the article, we kind of identified, okay, here are different things to kind of look at that could be signals that an offense could kind of break out this year. And of course it's, you know, NFL free agency moves, it's coaching changes, which that applies, you know, to um, it's, you know, a team that maybe got to the red zone a lot, but didn't convert a lot. You know, if they convert, have a higher conversion rate, that could be huge. The strength of schedule, you know, there's these kind of things, these kind of signals again, that I think are, are, you know, the only thing that we can use to kind of say, well, this is why I think this team could become a top offense, a top 10 offense in either points or scoring or red zone conversions or, or all the above like Dallas. So, um, you know, in the case of the Broncos, it's the Sean Payton effect. I believe that Sean Payton can absolutely turn this offense around. And I think he can do it for us, which I believe he could do it for then the running backs and the receivers and Dulcich and the tight end, you know, I I'm high on this offense because I believe in Sean Payton. I like that. Uh, the Browns, I think are really interesting. That was one of the teams featured in your article. First of all, there's that news that's, you know, still kind of, you know, we're talking about when it comes to Deandre Hopkins, like right. are they, are they going to get D hop? And, and I think what's interesting is I think you could make, speaking of holding two thoughts in your head at once, it, when you were talking about Mike McCarthy and Kellen mm-hmm. Moore, well, the thing about D-Hop is he's 31. I think he just turned 31 like yesterday. Uh, I don't know why I know that. It was in the last couple of days. So he's on the wrong side of 30 for sure. He's 31 okay. years old. And, you know, like we don't really know exactly how many great games or seasons he has left, but he's definitely still like a great receiver. Right. With that said, I wouldn't put him on like, let's say, I'm just trying to think of a team that's like kind of devoid of of, of a lot of receivers. Um I don't know, Carolina maybe, but the, the, the larger point is you put them on a team that's like kind of average offensively. And I'm like, ah, yeah, that's fine. That's a, I guess that's a nice move. It'll help, but you put them on the Browns and it becomes really interesting because not Deshaun Watson, who's going to have a full year, full training camp, Mm -hmm. had some games last season. He didn't look good, but at least maybe he's kind of getting warmed up here. And then you got D hop potentially, but even if he's not on that team, think about what they have. If he is on the team, because they got Elijah Moore, who's very talented. They have right. Amari Cooper, they have David Njoku, right. and they have a rushing attack that teams or defensive teams are going to have to respect. This, this seems like, I mean, they're in a tough division, but this seems like a team that could like break out. Absolutely. It was one that before I started digging into my research, I wasn't really on my radar. And then, you know, when I did was looking into those offensive statistics, they were one that had, you know, a a high percentage of trips to the red zone, but a low conversion rate. So if the conversion rate goes up again, that's a huge jump in points scored, which then turns into fantasy basketball points scored. And again, then the second thing. So it's the conversion rate that I think it could be improved, could be huge for best ball. Secondly, obviously another year in the offense, like you said, let's, you know, I, I wasn't super impressed with Hopkins or excuse me with um, uh, Watson last year, but, uh, you know, having a full off season to go through it and start from the beginning of the season, I have a lot more belief in, in him in that offense. And then Nick Chubb got no competition in free agency or yeah. the NFL draft. So I love that maybe the most because, you know, this is a guy who, whether it's on DraftKings and you're trying to hunt for that hundred yard bonus or on underdog where you're trying to hunt for those touchdowns, he fits both. I mean, he's, he's just that perfect three down back. And I, you know, I'm actively drafting Nick Hub, Nick Chubb in second rounds right now because he's falling while people are trying to grab as many receivers as they can. And I just think that's too good of a value to let fall to the you know mid or late second round. Speaking of three down backs, the next team I wanted to talk about, who of course was featured in your article as potentially a, a top offense 
was the Atlanta Falcons. And of course, they invested in Bijan Robinson, who mm-hmm. listen, we don't have to talk about like his fantasy value because that's going to be a subject of like every podcast for yeah. the next yeah. like 60 days. Like, yeah, right. he's fine. It's a good situation. Like we can like it, it, people are rating him above like guys like Saquon, which I, I don't have a huge argument with. I would take Saquon first. I'm talking about like redraft and but even in best ball. Right. The point I'm making, though, is that you got Bijan. You still have Tyler Algier on that team. Cordero Patterson. You got Drake London at the receiver position. Matt Collins, they don't really have much be behind Drake London, other than, of course, Kyle Pitts, who's kind of Kyle a receiver, Pitts, too. Right, yeah. This is a team you believe in, even though, I mean, Desmond Ritter, a very big unknown at quarterback. Well, I think a lot hinges on that. And, you know, there are a lot of these where there is a big if factor to it. Mm-hmm. You know, if Eric Bieniemy helps, you know, um, if, you know, Desmond Ritter can take a leap, if, you know, the Steelers second year rookies can make a leap. I, there are a lot of, you know, ifs to that. But I do really believe Drake London can make a huge second year leap as a receiver. He showed a lot in his first year. And I really like him as a potential breakout second year receiver. Um, So really like Drake London, you know, Kyle Pitts coming back and then you add Bijan to the mix. I mean, again, kind of like I said about Sam Howe, I mean, even if Ritter is just good average, (laughs) you know, I think he could then distribute and let these guys be weapons. And again, like the saints, again, same division. I think the Falcons have the weakest schedule in the NFL by strength of schedule. Mm -hmm. All right. I like it. Let's touch on one more team before we get out of here. And this is an interesting team. And I think, first of all, I'm talking about the New York Jets. And and I I just, I like ending the show with Aaron Rodgers. I I do want to point out that the first six games for the Jets are horrific uh, before their week seven bye. So I just need everybody to know that I'm going to read it off right now. Um, They play at home against Buffalo, then at Dallas, home against New England, I guess that's the easy game. Uh, home against Kansas City, at Denver, home against Philly, then their bye week. That's not great. Like, I could mm. see this team being two and four going to their bye week. That has nothing to do with the best ball analysis. But but I just wanted to point that out because it's, it's just interesting. I, mean, I, I would have thought, because you want to feature Aaron Rodgers, there's no more Tom Brady, you're getting, giving them all these primetime games, that you would actually would have front-loaded kind of an easier schedule and made right. those teams, at the you know, the hard teams kind of towards uh, the end of the season. But that, that's just me. Um how are you feeling about their prospects offensively? Well, I think with this one, just like the Sean Payton effect, I think this one is simply the Aaron Rodgers effect. Yeah. Um, you know, he obviously has familiarity. Nathaniel Hackett was not a successful head coach, um, quite the opposite in Denver. But, you know, he was a very successful offensive coordinator, especially with Rodgers. Rodgers won two MVPs with him as the Packers offensive coordinator. So they're reunited you know, they bring Lazard and Cobb over for familiarity. Then you have Garrett Wilson, who's just a stud. Reese Hall coming back from injury. Mm-hmm. It's really the Aaron Rodgers effect combined with the, you know, familiarity that the Jets are giving him and the weapons that he has that he didn't have last year. You know, he was playing with an injured thumb last year. He didn't have these same kind of weapons that he now has in New York. And, you know, I know I point to the strength of schedule. Okay, it's an easy schedule and and that, you know, will allow them. That's honestly why I liked the NFC East last year, it was a weak strength of schedule for them. And that's why I like the NFC South this year. But you could also speak to it the other way, right? The NFC, AFC East is going to be just having potential shootouts with each other. You know, mm-hmm. these are some high flying offenses um, with Buffalo and Miami. And, and there yeah. could be some massive shootout potential just again within their own division, let alone the AFC East also plays 
the NFC East and the AFC West. So looking at that schedule and who they have Ooh. to play, wow, you know, yeah, that's a gauntlet for the AFC East teams for sure. But it also could spell a lot of shootouts, and that that part I like. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. I mean, when you, when it comes to the strategy of best ball, there's so many different things to incorporate. Mm-hmm. But actually, kind of looking at the schedule and appreciating that, yeah, as good as this Jets defense is, they just might be in a spot where they got to score against yeah. Kansas City, against the Chargers, maybe even against the Broncos, uh, certainly the Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles and everybody right. else in their division. Like like you said, Miami and Buffalo, like, geez, yeah. Jets, this isn't the year to have gotten Rodgers. <laughs> Give him back and take him next year. That'll be his swan song. This is not good. Mayday. Um, Meg, uh, this has been such a great show. Uh, I it's appreciate been so you. fun. Thank you. I feel like I made you talk so much, but you, you're just a lot of knowledge it. when it comes to this stuff. So I'm really happy we had you on the show, but real quick, for those that joined us late or just want to hear you again, where can we find your work? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, I'm co-creator of fanspeak.com. We have uh, best ball content all spring and summer long, fanspeak.com and the Fanspeak Network. And I'm a contributor at Run Pure Sports, so runpuresports.com and Run Pure Sports on the YouTube uh, street. So you can find both videos and articles at runpure and fanspeak.com. And, and of course, Meg's uh, 08 DFS on Twitter. <laughs> that's that's what I was going to say. Definitely follow. <laughs> if you're not already, follow Meg at Meg08DFS. This has been a great best ball primer sort of value episode. Our next episode, which is probably going to be in, in maybe not next week, but the week after that. And then we'll start ramping it up even more. By the way, for those of you that are brand new to this show, Fantasy Football Today DFS during the season, it's not just me. It's going to be me and Mike McClure all season, Tuesdays and Thursdays. You know how we do it. Usually Tuesdays is a solo pod. Thursdays is going to be me and Mike. And we might even bring some other personalities on those Tuesday and Thursday, analysts and personalities on those Tuesday and Thursday shows. So stay tuned for that. Um, but I just, Meg, I just can't wait for the season. I'm but so in, excited. We're under 100 until, days. We're under 100 days. <laughs> well, I think we're at like 94. Okay. I'm in full countdown mode now. Yeah. I am in full <laughs> countdown mode. So we are going to count down to our next show again. It'll be in a week or two, and then we'll really start ramping up, like I said. But for now, we're done here. That is Meg at Meg08DFS. My name is Sia Najad at Sia Najad. This is Fantasy Football Today DFS, and we'll see you now streaming on paramount plus you ready bob well, all right. audiences are raving bob marley is electrifying it's the feel-good movie of the year you dig? bob marley one love rated pg-13 now streaming on paramount plus